Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com. It's the Relevant Podcast. She was not the cure for cancer. It's the week of Friday, March 26, 2010, and this is The Relevant Podcast. I'm Cameron Strang, and joining me here in our Orlando, Florida studios, we have a little bit of a surprise. Not a surprise, Ryan Ham. Hi. Josh Loveless. Hey, people. Uh, on the Skype line from Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello. And joining us after a very long hiatus, at long last, none other than our former editorial director, Kara Davis. Hello. Glad to have you. Chad, pipe in a bunch of applause. Uh, We are excited to have you. Kara is going to be joining us regularly, though not every week. Uh, She'll be joining us probably once a month. We'll see how it goes. We should put it to a vote. Okay. We should let the listeners (laughs) decide. We should let the listeners decide. I wouldn't do that or I would not be here. (laughs) You did have a look of terror in your eyes when I said that. Yeah, yeah. That's true. So far, all I've got is that I sound like Chris Griffin. Yeah, from the family guy. Which is not a compliment. No, Let's it's just... not, because you don't sound like him. You well, act like him. No, that's that's even worse. <laughs> oh, sorry. You act and look like him. I wouldn't say sound. <laughs> um, okay, we have a great podcast in store for you today. Coming up later, we have an interview with singer, songwriter, extraordinaire, Brandy Carlisle. Love her. Fan favorite. That's uh, great. Here at the relevant offices. We're excited. Um, also, we have uh, slices and a the return of the most interesting person of the week segment. You won't want to miss it. But before all that, we have your entertainment releases. Uh, let's see, music coming out on Tuesday, March thirtieth. <laughs> Usher is coming out with Raymond oh, versus Raymond. Finally, Usher, yeah. Usher, Usher. Did you Usher. see his song during the NBA All Star stuff? It was terrible. Uh-uh. It was terrible. It was is bad. that a surprise? Yeah, I don't know. Although, Love in This Club was a great song. Oh, come on. It's a great song. <laughs> Make love in this club. Hey. In this club. Hey. In See? this club. Hey. <laughs> wow. We could keep going. May is in coming out <laughs> with Afternoon EP on Tooth and Nail. Paper Tongues is coming out with Paper Tongues. And uh, Angus and Julia Stone are coming out with Down the Way. Movies coming out on Friday, April 2nd, which is also Good Friday. Right? Yeah. I know this because I just got a lot of vacation requests from all the Christians in the office. <laughs> Wanted to take the just day off. From all the Christians as opposed to the other People ones. People like mm-hmm. Tim. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's going to work. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to Tim, who went out of his way to tell you he's working. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know specifically I'm working Good Friday. Well, it's a floating holiday for right. us here, so not everybody is taking it off. Right. Right. Okay. I, I for one, am working. But it's not because of my affection for Jesus. Yeah. Well, you specifically said the Christians were not working. So I think you just ratted yourself out a little bit. Are you working, Josh? I will also be working here on Friday. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. But that's just, I'm volunteering. I think I might be going to church twice. (laughs) You're going to be interning that day. I'm interning that day, yeah. (laughs) All right. Movies coming out. We have Clash of the Titans. Yes. Starring Sam Worthington and Liam Neeson. Uh, We also have the only other movie in wide release, Tyler Perry's Why Did I Get Married 2. Starring Janet Jackson and a lot of people who are in his gospel place. If you're struggling with that question like three years after you asked it the first time, I think you really might have some marriage problems. 
You know, is like that's not couples? a movie title that should get a sequel. Is it? Is it this? Is it the same couples? No, but the but the title's very good though because it's two as in T O O. Yeah. So also. maybe it's like yeah. another couple in the group, right? But it, well, grammatically, I think Kara's here. She can she can clear this up. <laughs> Why did I also get married? Are we no, asking you asking the question? Is that a you don't want to add verb separating your subject and your verb. I don't feel comfortable about commenting on this at all because we're all white and the movie is full of black people. <laughs> I just have to say that I feel like I, I it's, feel racist talk, it's, it's racist it's even talking. It's racist even talking about. It's just it. racist to talk about. It's like that Seinfeld episode. Movie. You yeah. can't. I don't think we're supposed to be talking about this. No. I, think, I move on. Move yeah. on. Yeah, but Janet Jackson's in it. That, don't. You can't talk about. Just because her. her brother was white doesn't mean that. <laughs> oh. Too soon. Oh. Too soon. Okay. Yikes. All right. That'll do it for your entertainment releases. Up next, slices. Seven years? Yeah, it's a big deal. We're celebrating Relevant's seventh anniversary, and there's still time for you to get in on the party. Going back to year one prices right now, you can get a year of Relevant for just $10. Sign up at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. You're listening to Paper Out. The song is Gutter. Very cool thing. This video actually premiered on Relevant TV this last week. Um, you should go check it out at relevant.tv. Uh, they're on tour. Uh, the group, we love them. They're on tour uh, all throughout April. Paperrouteonline.com. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Frightened Rabbit with the song Nothing Like You. All right, it's time for slices. What do you got, Jesse? All right, I actually have two slices. Uh, one's not real, so I'll start with that one. <laughs> I thought of a sweet band name this weekend, and I really felt I really felt like I needed to share it on the podcast. But I didn't know if another opportunity other than slices would arrive. Just so you so, know, my most fascinating person of the week is Jesse. So I'm making up that good. that aspect in the future too. So uh, okay, so imagine this as the album cover. Okay, it's like it's like a bear face. Okay, of a bear. And his teeth are all gold, okay? And he's like growling. And the bear and the, and the band name is Bear Grills, but it's G R I L L Z. But Jesse, okay, see, you're a little late to the party. This is why you shouldn't be in Virginia because in the May issue of Relevant, Bear Grills is on the cover. And yeah. so we were tempted to actually do that as the actual cover of the magazine or uh, make him dress up in a bear suit and wear big fronts on his teeth. Yeah. But we didn't. Well, great minds think alike. This sounds staged, just so you know. It does, to the right? outside world. Like he's, yeah. like, he's promoing our he's May, promoing our May exactly, issue. Exactly. Yeah, no. Exactly. I, I, I swear, I, I literally, it just hit me this week. I'm like, man, that'd be really awesome. <laughs> it was the to Lord. Be a band called Bear Grills. That's called discernment, my friend. <laughs> yeah. You have a prophetic edge to you. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go to my real slice, which is equally as awesome. Uh, apparently, the That's Indian a bear wearing a grill. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't get much more awesome than, yeah, than a bear with uh, a grill, but uh, they, this is pretty close. The Indian military has developed a new weapon, and what they've developed it from is the world's hottest chili pepper. Really? Yes. They have weaponized a pepper. Wow. Uh, they have a pepper there. A pepper in, spray? 
Well, it's it's going to be in like a grenade that like uh, shoots gas out. Oh, so it's like and eco-friendly. It's, it's natural. <laughs> it's environmentally yeah, exactly. good. See, if I if I was a bad guy, I think I would rather have at least hot pepper because I know, yeah, it came from the earth than tear gas. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. it came from the earth. That's what you're thinking at that moment when yeah, you've been like, peppered? I surrender. At least there's going to be no permanent damage, I don't think. <laughs> Except there might be. Yeah, it, it's 400 times hotter than Tabasco sauce. What what pepper are they using? It's Is, called the ghost ooh, chili. Ooh, the ghost chili. He eats that on man versus food a lot. Does he really? Yeah. A lot? I thought yeah. I thought the hottest pepper was the capsaicin, the, the liquid of the seed of the habanero. It is, but they don't want to actually hurt these people. Okay. They're using yeah, it. That's, that's lethal. Yeah. Oh. You don't want to hurt you don't this, kill this, your this is the world's hottest non-lethal chili. Okay. Yeah. We're talking about grenades just to wound, yeah. not to kill. Gotcha. And I had a vision. I haven't actually seen the grenade, but I hope it looks like a big chili, and instead of pulling the pin, you like, rip the stem off. <laughs> <laughs> like, take this, bad guys! Yeah. And then you rip the stem off the pepper and throw it's it in like, there. That's, that's it's exactly like, how the Indian army guys would sound to take this bad guys. <laughs> they just it looked like a Cinco de Mayo party with all those like <laughs> lights that are strung out that look like peppers. It's true. Chili's oh. restaurant could sponsor it. Exactly. I like I like what it's it becomes going. an army surplus store basically. <laughs> Ryan, what would it sound like if a bunch of Indian guys not, said that? Would I'm, you can you offer you've us already an accent? yelled at me for even mentioning a Tyler Perry? Yeah, movie. I don't think we're supposed to be talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the thought of like a terrorist like hiding in a building or whatever and all of a sudden like the glass in the window breaks and it's like dunk 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 and he sees a chili bouncing around. <laughs> like oh no they win. <laughs> I hate hot stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want I want the Italian army to develop a grenade out of the world's spiciest meatball <laughs> and throw a meatball grenade. Okay. I think we could defeat a lot of bad guys. <laughs> We're throwing meatballs and chili peppers. I'm getting hungry. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, this is these are the most delicious weapons ever. It sounds like a Bacardi commercial of, or something where, like, you know, somebody throws this pepper grenade and a party erupts <laughs> yeah. or something. So it's, it's a weapon of appetite destruction. <laughs> oh, nice. Like, mm-hmm. It's good. Thank you. Speaking <laughs> of appetite disca- destruction, one of the reasons we're really excited Kara's back is she brought the entire staff Frosties. So we have been partaking of delicious. It's been wonderful. It has been de- wonderful. There's two left and I'm eyeing them. They were kitty size though, so they're like two bites. But my um, when I went to order them, I went to the drive through and. And it was funny. She was. I was like, "Do you guys sell kitty sized frosties?" I kind of remember that as a child. And she was like, "Yes, we do." And she told me how much they were. And so I ordered fifteen of them. She's like, "You want fifteen kitty sized frosties?" <laughs> I'm like, yes, that's correct. I have a large family. <laughs> I have a lot of that's children. Very small. <laughs> yeah. Not very small. Uh, so okay. So Carol, you've you've been gone for two years, three years now. Two and a half. Two and a half ish. Two and a half years. Almost. You're a mother. You write. You do web writing. You. How, watch, how's life? How I watch Dancing with the Stars on Hulu in the afternoons. <laughs> that was my afternoon today. Was it? Really? Yes. Uh, it's all very exciting. I tell you. How are you doing? Like uh, bring bring people up to date. Um, there are a lot of fans. In fact, this all emerged because of, of one of your fans on Twitter one night. Yes. Just out of nowhere said. Cameron Strang, I just want you to know the podcast was a lot better when Kara Davis was on it <laughs> <laughs> and like used our Twitter names. And I, re- I don't know if it was just late night and I was a little, maybe I'd been drinking. A little, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I, decided, I decided to give him a piece of my mind. Ghost chilies. Yeah. And then I'm like, excuse me. 
I can't do anything about that. She had a baby and left. You know, I can't reverse time. I don't that have a hot like a, time machine. I know. <laughs> it's a chili I, grenade. Yeah. I kind of feel like I'm a single girl making out with her ex-boyfriend right now, but <laughs> I'm not really sure how I feel about it. I do feel it. uncomfortable about this. <laughs> so, I'll be honest. Yeah. Now you do. Yeah, yeah for sure. So, so, I'm, uh, so I tell the guy, and then Kara sees it, and she's like, direct message me, like, I'm mortified. I don't, I'm so sorry, whatever. And I'm like... Hey, well, he may have a point, though. You want to come back? And she's like, yeah, sure. So thank you, mean guy on Twitter. It was actually a lady. Oh, was it really? A nice lady. That's probably why she was so mean. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was. Because she was a lady or because Cameron called her a guy? Because he kept calling her, hey, mean guy. What's up, dude? (laughs) Well, I was flattered and, you know, at the same time, you know, how much I hate confrontation. I was just like, can't we all be friends? I think we can. See, yeah. this is proof right now that we can all be friends. I yes. like that Kara gets shout-outs to come back and some jerk calls me Chris Griffin. Yep. <laughs> That's, uh, That's the cross you bear. I so, guess. Yeah. So we're excited to, to have you around. So Okay, Thanks. so everybody, bring everybody up to speed and how you're doing. Yeah, How's- so, um, you know, living the freelance life, I've kind of have the best of both worlds. I get to work and take care of my baby. It's a lot harder than I thought it would be, but it's one of those things where I feel like I can't complain, but if you really ask me about it, I probably will start complaining. So <laughs> let's just not go there. Uh, I'm just thankful to be out of the house right now. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, it's good. Next slice. Uh, let's, uh, we'll, we'll stay with the country of India if that's okay. That's fine with me. So in India, uh, recently Lindsay Lohan, uh, she, she's uh, she. I don't know if you know who she is, Kara, but she uh, she's huge in <laughs> India. Yeah, she's big in other parts of the world. Oh, okay. Uh, formerly famous, Lindsay Lohan uh, was shooting a documentary about sex trafficking, of all things, and she uh, didn't have. Wait, hold on, a, hold on, hold on. Yeah, she was shooting it, or she was acting in it. Well, I don't know how to answer that because both seem inappropriate, right. equally inappropriate. Right. Uh, but either way, she wasn't. Uh, she didn't have a work visa, and uh, and she drew a ton of attention when she tweeted that she had saved quote saved forty children in a sweatshop raid, uh, and the people that actually participated in the raid uh, publicly came out and said that it was done way before she even got there, and urged the country to ban her from returning at all. <laughs> Can we do the same? I I, oh. I I think just I think we should start tweeting different things that we're doing around the world, and I think in our cases people won't rat us out, uh, and we can just take credit for other people's work. But you know, she might have really thought that she had something to do with it because you know how people treat celebrities like, oh, let's have Lindsay come in and think that she did this. Yeah, I, I like true. I like the fact that she that happened though even before she got there. <laughs> So she's taking <laughs> credit. Out. She hears that it happened. She's like, it probably was because of me. Yeah. They knew I was coming. Yeah. They knew I was coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They let him That's go. That's awesome. Yeah. So you have to be pretty self-centered to do that. But I, uh, I give her credit for that. Well, I hope my slice is a different case here. Um, are, are you done? I am. Are we going to leave India? Because we really need to make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> we are. We are now going to Haiti. Okay. All right. Good. Nice. Let's okay. travel around the world. <laughs> um, well, Sean Penn uh, has... Okay, let me preface this as I'm not in the office, so if you guys have covered this or talked about this and I'm late to the party, I apologize. You can tell me to have another slice. There was recently a disaster there, and we have talked about that. <laughs> so if that's what you're about to bring up, 
there, we have. Yeah, I wanted, I've been gone for two years. Yeah, I come I wanna, back. I want to be delicate. I mean, you're going to start bringing up news things that have yeah. happened over the last Michael two years. Michael Jackson has died. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Janet Jackson's white brother? Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Twitter exactly. is being used by the masses. <laughs> yeah, there's this new site called I did ask Facebook. Her what, yeah, you know, yeah. like what's been going on in the last two and a half years. So that's what she's, just, she's covering yeah. the news. Yeah. Yeah. I really she's, thought about doing that. She's compiled a lot of stuff. Have you heard of Barack Obama? Yeah. Apparently we have a black president. Yeah. You know, he was the first black president to pass universal health care. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Anyway, Sean Penn heard about the disaster, as everyone else did, and said he remembered Hurricane Katrina and um, and just remembering how much help was needed then. So he got with a business friend of his, and they basically not, not moved, but they went down to Haiti a week after and they've been stationed there ever since. And they have um, a camp that they've facilitated. There's 40,000 people living there. They're living there with them. Uh, NPR did a story on it this week and um, he just seemed like, you know, it was a pretty legit thing. The The reporter was asking him questions and like, you know, how has this experience changed you or whatever? And his response was something like, hey, look, there's work to be done. I haven't even had chance to think about this or digest it. There's stuff that we need to be doing. Basically, don't you can't wow. ask me that kind of question yet, you know. So I was like, well, that's cool, you know, putting his body where his mouth is. I don't, I don't know how, what you say you there. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. What an example. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was cool. Uh, did it say how long he's been there? Well, he got there a week after the earthquake. Oh, wow. So, um, so two months? Oh. It's wow. been there a while. Okay. Well, on that note, that'll wrap up Slices. Up next, Brandy Carlisle. You're listening to Low vs. Diamond. The song is Don't Forget Sister. It's from their self-titled album. I like the note here on this band that says that the band members come from Seattle, Chicago, San Francisco, and Atlantic City. Like, how'd you like to be the member from Atlantic City? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All these story music town. Every, oh, yeah. And our it, bass players from Atlantic City. Yeah. <laughs> like, he grew up waiting tables at the Palms. I don't even think they have a Palms. It's, I don't. It's, it's like I was just trying to make circus, a casino circus joke. type stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Brandy Carlisle's third album, Give Up the Ghost, unveils her talents in their truest form. The album was released in November and offers her most candid recording to date. It debuted at number 26 on the Billboard charts and was produced by Grammy Award winner and podcast favorite Rick Rubin. The recording of Give Up the Ghost offered new experiences, including working with the likes of Elton John, Tom Petty, and Amy Ray of the Indigo Girls, all whom contribute to the album. Brandy will be on tour in Europe through April and May and back on U.S. soil uh, touring in June and July. Our very own Elise Gilligan talked to Brandy uh, when she came through recently, and here is part of that interview. Dreams, I have dreams When I'm awake When I'm asleep Underneath my skin, 
I wanted to ask you, first of all, your latest album, Give Up the Ghost. Um, you said that the idea of that was about transcending time and transcending yourself to leave some things behind. And I was just wondering, what would you say in writing that album, Give Up the Ghost? What were you trying to leave behind? Well, the moment is what I was trying to leave behind, the, the right now, you know? Because I think that so often it's so easy for um, singer-songwriters to write about right now. Because it's easy to describe, you can see it in front of your eyes, it's a physical, tangible thing. And, um, you know, sometimes your right now might not be really where your heart is, it might not be, it might not be really what's worth creating art about, you know? Like, being able to kind of transcend the right now to the fringes of what your thoughts really are is kind of what the concept of Give Up the Ghost means. So, I mean, essentially the tour bus, you know, Starbucks, the, the, the venue, the, the town, the, the weather. That's what I was trying to transcend. And on that album, you got to collaborate with Elton John for the song Caroline. What was that like, getting to work with such a legend? Well, I thought it was going to be really intense, but it was just a blast. I mean, (laughs) he's my greatest hero of all time, and he made the whole thing really comfortable and really fun. And he's so talented that, I mean, you spend half the time just being in awe of, you know, just how long he's been doing it and how incredible he is. Anytime I feel it, get me down, I see you smiling, And you've said of your recordings that sometimes the vocals are technically wrong, but emotionally right. And especially in the song, The Story, which is kind of famous for that style of singing. Is that something that you feel like you try to achieve? Uh, it's sort of a fight because, I mean, like I'm a typical Gemini. You know, I have these, I have these two people, definitely, in me. And one of them is a perfectionist where I, I like to fancy myself a vocalist. And I like to have great pitch and I like to be able to hit all the notes and... Uh, you know, to be able to do all the complicated little uh, intricate, you know, vocal maneuvers. But the other part of me just wants to express myself. And um, when I get out on stage, I go out there every time intending to be a vocalist and always just end up being an expressionist. You often take songs on the road and play them live for a while before they are recorded, uh, which is something you also did on Give Up the Ghost. And what is that process like as the songs kind of evolve, playing them live and during tour? Um, How do you know when a song is done and you're ready to record it? Well, our songs cultivate themselves in front of a live audience. I mean, that's how we write. It's it's just as important as the lyrics or the melodies, um, the song's reception. But I think that there's something you can do in the studio sometimes when you make a record that's pretty interesting. It's like 
you'll be working and recording and thinking that you that you have a great thing, and you don't know if any mistakes or any problems. And then towards the end of the recording process, you bring in somebody that you respect, and you sit down with them and you play the record. And it's not what they do or what they say that matters. What matters is you'll get to certain parts in a song where you know it could be better, and you'll feel your face get hot, and you might feel a little bit embarrassed. You know, yeah. like I could work this part, you know, or or you or you feel an overwhelming sense of pride. The chest starts to swell, you know, during a, a guitar solo or a big note that you know sounds great. And it's having that person there that is your meter, you know, a kind of how you how you measure yourself up. And that's what the crowd is to me when I'm writing a song. Mm-hmm. Is they're the person that I respect that I'm playing the song in front of and seeing how it makes me feel, how it's received. You were lonesome and blue-eyed and so special to us. Um, and on another note, you do a lot of charity work, and you've even started your own organization called Looking Out, which provides grants to several different causes. And I was just wondering, why is it important for you personally to have this level of social involvement well it's it, well, it's just that it's not about the grants as much as it, as it is about the social involvement um you know the looking out foundation is just a really simple simple foundation it's not bogged down by any kind of um any kind of uh, religious constraints it's not political um it's not class divided it, it is specifically um a foundation that provides aid to where there is need and that aid, it might be getting our hands sturdy, it might be getting involved, it might be money, it might be music. Um, whatever it is, you know, we keep our eyes open for causes that um, hit especially close to home to us. You know, it could be environmental issues, disease research and control, it could, you know, self-defense um, classes for women in underserved communities. You know, there, there are all kinds of things that, that I care about, and I believe that your contribution to the world should be in direct correlation to your position in it and your trajectory. And do you feel like that kind of compassion plays a role in your music? Certainly is who I am, you know, and my music is the same. So in that sense, yeah. Um, so what's next for you? You said you're on tour right now, but what are your goals coming up for your music? Well, we're gonna um, we're gonna go to Europe. Well, actually, well, I, should, I should say what we've just done. We've just made an, an EP for Valentine's Day, which was really fun for us, called XOBC. Right. And it's available on iTunes still, I think. And uh, and then we made a we covered um, Heaven by Brian Adams, and then we made a really funny video for it um, with our friends and our phone down the road. Um, and that was like our, our recent project that we just finished. And uh, we're making a video for Dying Day. We're going to Europe. And then we're going to come home, do Lilith Fair, and concentrate on a symphony tour. Your love is all that I need. And I found that there in your heart it isn't too hard to see. We're in heaven.
That was Brandy Carlisle. Check her out at brandycarlisle.com. listening to we have banned the song is divisive likely the video is playing right now on relevant.tv they're uh they're from london i don't their name we have banned and see they're dirty yeah they're missing an article what we have a band no they're playing off we have hand like upper hand what i don't think that's true mm. i think i think it's true like the whole sample thing of who has hand in the relationship who has upper hand I've how do you get hand that. i've heard upper hand but it, but it was like <laughs> i don't think there's a phrase there's a we whole, have hand. There's a whole maybe, episode maybe of seinfeld there's a whole episode <laughs> there's a whole episode of seinfeld about who who has hand in the relationship and who can get who can get hand back and upper hand. hand well of course it's upper hand but it was like do they say just hand yeah it evolves oh. to just hand it just sounds masturbatory. And it seems weird that a group of U- people from the UK Wait, what, would reference what, what, what an obscure yeah, <laughs> Masturbatory. <laughs> no, yes. I said it better the first time. Yes. That what she said. No, I know. That literally what <laughs> she said. That's what she said. She said. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to stay away from that. I was trying to stay away from that. All right. Anyway. I don't think that way. Thank you. <laughs> That's why I'm going to church twice on April 2nd. That's why working. I'm volunteering my time at Relevant. <laughs> Okay, it's time for the most interesting person of the week segment. Uh, this week, uh, I'm I'm going to name uh, Mark Driscoll, uh, pastor really? yeah. of Marcel Church in Seattle. The most not to interesting. be confused with the one in Grand Rapids. I don't know if there's a Mark Driscoll in Grand Rapids. No, well, but I'm sure there is. Yeah, I'm, I mean, sure, in the book, in the, the big yellow book. Uh, I, I'm bringing him up just because recently I found a uh, saw a quote uh, that he. Has uh, he either spoke or wrote, but uh, he was given credit for it, and uh, I thought it would be worth a conversation. But most most of us are familiar with the idea in the last few years that people have you know made jokes and talked about you know Jesus with his you know nineteen seventies hair walking around the earth two thousand years ago with his Miss America sash, just the way the way he's been portrayed. And Mark Driscoll says this. He says in Revelation. Jesus is a prize fighter with a tattoo down his leg, a sword in his hand, and the commitment to make someone bleed. That is the guy I can worship. I cannot worship the hippie, dapper, halo Christ because I cannot worship a guy I can beat up. How do you like your Jesus? I've heard that before from him. Yeah, yeah. It's not a new quote, but ultimately, I I still think there's a lot of people dialoguing about the perception of 2000 year ago Jesus versus the reality of him. And I think there's like this just renewed conversation over the last few years about the masculine nature of Jesus. And I want to know where you guys land on that. Well, I think it goes beyond the masculine nature. There's an interesting book that came out about a year ago called Jesus mean and wild by an author named Mark Galley. And basically, he deconstructs the contemporary idea of Jesus. And basically, the whole premise is we've confused love with niceness. 
And he said, you know, obviously, you know, we believe God is love, but love isn't always nice. You know, we, we have a picture that even if it's a masculine nice, like a fatherly or grandfatherly type of, you know, attitude, you know, the Jesus in scripture is a lot different from that. And, and uh, you know, he had in that book has some really interesting things to say on that topic. But can you worship a guy that you can beat up, Jesse? Well, I think anytime you put, when you have to put, obviously God, Jesus is God in human form. So at some point you have, you put God into a human context, but I think if you limit what you're worshiping to, oh, this is a guy that can beat me up, then, you know, it, that to me, you know, trying to contextualize God that much is almost idolatry because you're saying I have to relate it to this specific image and and whole attitude that I can wrap my head around, you know, instead of trying to get the full picture of God that's in the Bible. You know what I mean? It's like he has to be an MMA fighter who, yeah. who, who intimidates and scares you for you to have fear and awe. But yeah, it's a physical or, or you take it take it the other way, or he has to be, you know, this, uh, you know, you, you've heard like, you know, I've heard the, you know, thing well, with some, you know, single women like, well, Jesus is my husband, or you know, Jesus is, you know, music. my best friend, or you know, we, we, you can make him whatever you want, but that doesn't make it true. You right. know what I mean? Right. I think one of the one of the things that I'm continually surprised by, and I shouldn't be at this point, but we want Jesus on the fringes. We want Jesus. Uh, we want the extreme Jesus on one side or the other, rather than embracing a Jesus that we can that we that that has tension, that has texture, that that has uh, that has these different characteristics to him that don't allow us to paint him as right. one thing or another. And I think that's the thing about this quote that and and other quotes like it that continually, I don't know, just I think frustrate me about how people want Jesus to be one way or another way. He's either Republican or he's liberal. He's either masculine Jesus or feminine Jesus. We want Jesus to reflect who we are. Right, for yeah. sure. Or, in the context or, 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 that we know. or what we need. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And that need obviously changes based on the season of life that we're in and, and the situations that we're facing. But so, isn't that the beauty of, of, of him that we can see the things in him and in his nature and who he is that we need to see. I mean, not that our view of him is, you know, holistic or even correct, but there are traits of strength. There are traits of, uh, you know, mercy and meekness. There are traits of tenderness, there are traits of anger. There are traits of boldness. You know, I mean, like what, yeah. like he is all, uh, it's, it's both and it's yeah. not either or. Right. Well, I, th I think the danger is when you limit it to only what you personally, you know, what you personally need or what you personally want in a God, you know, I think it's great to see the many facets and, and be able in different seasons to appreciate the different things of God. But when we limit him to what we need, you know, at a particular time, I think that's becomes the danger, you know? Part of the problem I have with the quote too is like implicit in Driscoll's commentary is this expectation that the, you know, quote unquote masculine is supposed to be that, you know, Jesus can beat someone up. And I feel like, you know, on the one hand, like, of course, Jesus was super bold and got angry and especially, you know, upset about religious injustice and intolerance and all of that stuff. But like at the same time, I mean, people beat the crap out of him. 
And I mean, it's pretty difficult to say that, you know, I'm not going to sit there and think like, ooh, am I strong enough to beat Jesus up? Cause <laughs> yeah, what is this yeah. American frat boy aggression <clears throat> right. going on? Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, I mean, back to something you said earlier, Jesse, is like to do with idolatry. I mean, I feel like it's a lot of what the gospel writers were talking about, specifically when they would quote Jesus as saying, you know, like when the religious leaders would come asking for signs and wonders and he would basically say no. Um, because that wasn't the kind of Messiah he was. I mean, the kind of Messiah he was coming to do was to completely subvert the system. And that means being gentle at some points and being harsh and bold at other points. And I mean, so like you're saying, I mean, I think to limit that is really problematic. I think that entire idea of men having to be violent and, you know, sort of running through the trees and shooting guns and stuff is something that really has no place in scripture. I mean, in my opinion, I think that's Driscoll's like misinformed reading of the text yeah. and applying yeah. American context to it. Yeah. That and doesn't he's also belong talking there. about an image in Revelation versus what we tend to look at Jesus as, which is the picture that we see in the Gospels. And it is right. kind of a different context, you know. And and, and I, I don't I don't really agree with yeah I, I definitely think there's problems with the statement, but I his uh, the larger point I do see and I do think needs to be made in in just as much as the other side where you know you look at Jesus in the Bible and there's some things that are, really don't match up with what the image that we have of him where you know or the guy comes to him whose father has just died and said you know Jesus I want to follow you but let me just go let me just go take care of my dad's funeral and he tells him let the dead bury their dead you know what I mean like who would say that like mm -hmm. that's not the image that we have of Jesus, you know, this guy, this someone who is all understanding and is compassionate to the degree we understand compassion in all scenarios where, you know, you know, obviously reading it back, reading that scripture back, we understand the larger point that Christ was making that, you know, we have to have an eternal perspective on death and the importance of following Christ. But at the same time, if someone said that in one of today's churches, like, hey, I, I know a loved one just passed away, but you're, you're going to do this, you know, we would think that person, you know, isn't being Christ-like when, you know, that image of what being Christ-like is, is a lot of times I feel like based on niceness, you know? Well, I, you know, here's my take on it. Like, I feel like there are so many aspects to God's nature and Christ's nature that, that we in the American context do only see it in part. We only see in part, we understand in part, right? So there will be people who come up with kind of missing revelation. You know, it's like, but do you see in scripture where we're ignoring this aspect right. of Christ's character? And so they get so focused on that message that it's like, no, we have to look, look, Jesus isn't like that. It's like this, that um, what probably started as a good thing to kind of fill out our picture of Christ and round out the context and give us a more accurate perspective. Actually, they have to stay on message so much that it actually distorts and gets out of balance in and of itself. But this is American Christianity. So many streams, so many denominations, you know, the vineyard movement was started because people weren't worshiping, you know, our creator. And so, but now they sit at the feet of Christ and worship and love and father's heart and all this stuff. And it's almost, they're so focused on that, that it's gotten out of context or balance, you know, the faith movement that was based in Tulsa, there wasn't good Bible teaching about faith and believing in that time in the seventies and eighties. And so they emerged to fill in the holes, but then it stayed there and it gets out of context again. I feel like that we're never in our limited, uh, 
viewpoint ever going to fully understand who Christ was and that you need to listen to a Driscoll who points out some of the masculine aspects of who Christ is. And you need to listen to people who are on the other end of the spectrum and that we need to take in and all in ourselves and kind of marinate on this complex thing that doesn't fit into one easy slot because what we want to do as Americans, as Christians is put things in slots. Look at our politics. It's black and white, but there are good ideas on both sides of the aisle and we just, but we have to be right. And this is what I think comes down to. We all have to be right. You know, I figured out something that nobody else has said. I'm right about it. And mm-hmm. you know, you're partially right. Sure. But nobody's completely right about stuff like this, you know? And so anyway, I just feel like it's a challenge to us to listen to Mark Driscoll and not dismiss his perspective and not yeah. dismiss people who completely agree, disagree with Mark Driscoll too. And that there's truth in all of it, I believe. And I think Mark enjoys being inflammatory or, you yeah. know, to get people talking and that, and there is a place for that. And, and he knows that, that he's that way. So, I mean, cause like you said, I think one of the powerful things about the person of Christ and to a greater extent, the person of God is that we can recognize so many different parts of him that minister to different parts of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, we run the risk of if we only cling to that part and say that that's the part that's the most important, then we automatically alienate the other parts of Christ that might need, like someone else might need. Right. I mean, he has another quote, I think, where he talked about how Jesus and Paul weren't limp-wristed hippies or something. Or is that in that one? I can't remember. And I remember thinking, like, one of my best friends is gay. Like, how is he going to feel about Jesus whenever, like, Driscoll's saying that, you know, Jesus or anyone isn't limp-wristed because that's, you know, a pretty explicit homosexual, yeah, homosexual yeah. slam. And I'm just like, how is my friend who's gay and trying to struggle with like what that means to be Christian and like struggling with that? Like, how is he supposed to hear that and not automatically think like there's no place in the kingdom of God for me? And that to me is like where, like with his definitions of masculinity and femininity, especially like Driscoll really really rankles me, I guess. Good oh, SAT I, word. I, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, ultimately, I feel like there, Jesus is multidimensional. And as Cameron was saying, it's a both and issue. And when we put Jesus out in these slots and boxes and extremes, I think we miss who he really is. So, Just going to say, the, the one thing that I think that Jesus did a good jo- example of showing us is how to be a moving target and not fall into traps. And, you know, you don't have to get, you don't have to give a straight answer for everything. You don't have to have an explicitly clear position one way or the other. I mean, every time, uh, you know, where the Pharisees would ask him stuff, he would answer them with questions or he'd answer people in riddles or teach him parables because I think he saw the value in letting your character be what does the talking and you don't have to feel obligated to have a stand on every single issue, you know? Well, not only, uh, is, you know, Mark doesn't want to worship a guy that he can beat up. I I think he'd be alarmed to know that Jesus would, would actually turn the other cheek. That's all Mm -hmm. I have to say. (laughs) That's good. Well, anyway, now that'll do it for the most interesting person (laughs) of the week. Up next, your feedback. You're listening to Zoot, woman. What? The, was, was that a command? <laughs> Zoot. You told her. Zoot, woman. <laughs> Song is memory. Uh, the video is playing right now on relevant.tv. 
Last week on the podcast, we had author Stephen Mansfield on, and he was talking to us about his new book and the very interesting story of the faith history of Guinness beer, Arthur Guinness, how he was impacted by John Wesley and the Christian nature of why they made the beer and then all the things their company has done um, to because of it, the Christian faith that it was founded on. Okay, so Stephen Mansfield said an interesting quote. He said, if you choose not to drink alcohol, that's fine. But don't assume that that's the right choice for everyone else. And that reminded us of a story we actually ran on our website several months ago that blew up. And it was about, is it right or okay for Christians over 21 to drink alcohol? uh, Or non-Christians. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, they can try. Yeah. (laughs) If they're good. So, So, you know, and it got a lot of discussion. And so when he said that, that prompted us, we wonder what you, our illustrious podcast listeners, think about this. So we invited you to join the conversation on the podcast episode page. Tell us what you thought. And we were going to randomly pick 10 respondents and give you a copy of Mansfield's book called The Search for God in Guinness. And it's signed by him. And yeah, they're signed copies. Sorry in Guinness. Signed in beer. Signed in beer. <laughs> signed in beer. <laughs> um, so uh, we are going to read some of your feedback and then I will announce the 10 winners right after. Uh, One of the things that Eric Fisher says, he says, in direct response to Stephen Manfield's statement, uh, he says, I completely agree. Depending upon my chemical tolerance, motivation behind my desire to drink or voluntary or involuntary duties to a certain social group or culture, it may or not be may not be wrong. It really depends upon the circumstances and the varying expectations placed on you as a person by yourself, your body, communities you are involved in, and God. It feels as though like there's a lot of asterisks related to that. <laughs> that sounds statement. like a scientist. Yeah, yeah. There's all sorts of like he covered every angle of what is and not appropriate the the very um first respondent was on the other end of the spectrum and he simply said uh i plan on having some beer and wings tonight this would be a great read please send me one of the copies (laughs) (laughs) why did you insert the accent because that's what i think he writes like you think so i really do he wasn't from the northeast apparently it's It's probably a woman again yeah yeah. (laughs) so timothy graham yeah i hope it's not a woman (laughs) she she has a huge beard she does (laughs) pictures her pictures right there hey there's nothing wrong with that I think that's beautiful in a woman. (laughs) (laughs) One theme that I, I saw this verse come up in a lot of them. And this one's from Tim Hess, 81 that says two passages from Paul come to mind. uh, When I think about this, everything is permissible but not beneficial and be sensitive to a weaker brother. And those are paraphrased. Um, I think we have the freedom to do what we like. God's grace is sufficient, but if he is our sinner, our life should look different. And it's a delicate balance. And, you know, they can kind of go into some of the nuances of the difference between drinking and getting drunk. But that seemed to be a large consensus, you know, uh, that that idea that, you know, we may be allowed, but for different people, it's, you know, different things are okay. Yeah, I saw. I mean, I would say that would be the vast majority of the responses. Shane Rice says, I think the drunkenness is sinful because of a gluttonous attitude towards alcohol. And that this same sinfulness is present when we overeat. I like beer, but I have a much bigger problem eating too much food than I do drinking too much beer. So obviously they're saying the values of alcohol and how we treat it are can, can be applied across the board to obviously what we eat. It, it, following that, same, the next poster, David, he actually said, uh, it's not an original idea, but inter- interesting how the church condemns those that drink, but promotes caffeine addiction and gluttony with coffee and donuts every Sunday. <laughs> um, I wonder what the stereotype Christians would look like if all Christians understood that their convictions aren't for everyone. 
Ouch. Yeah. So anyway, it's an interesting conversation. Uh, in like only a couple of days, there are quite a few thoughtful yeah. replies. Many, many. Most in a long time, actually. So check it out. You can go over to last week's podcast episode page and chime in. And the winners of the 10 signed copies of The Search for God in Guinness are Brett Wilkes, or Wilkes, Eric Fisher, Austin C., Jordan Holland, Shane Rice, Fresh Alicious, Freshlicious. Nice work. Freshlius. Freshlius. There you go. Mike. That's my pen name. Mike. 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 Amber. Jeremy Little. And Hannah. Uh, If I called your name, come to the front of the class. (laughs) Um, If I called your name, just uh, hit us up. Uh, Email chad at relevantmediagroup.com and we will get your info and send you a copy. You could just email him anyway. Yeah. If you just want to say hi. Yeah. Yeah. You, if you listen to Relevant FM, Relevant FM, it's like you already know him. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy. Uh, okay, that'll do it for last week's feedback. And now for this week's editorial question of the week. Editorial question of the week. <laughs> okay, so earlier in the podcast, uh, we brought you the breaking news that Lindsay Lohan is banned from India. Yeah, she took credit for having rescued 40 children before she even got to the country. <laughs> Via Twitter. Right. <laughs> so it, we want to know if you could tweet and take credit for one event like that. Heroic experience. Heroic something that's happened in the news. Or, event, yeah. In our lifetime or ever? Mm. In the last two and a half years. Kara. <laughs> 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 um, what would it be? And what we want you to do is actually tweet us. Oh. Like write a hundred, write out the tweet. Right. In, and in actually tweet it? Well, you could do that. Um, to Relevant Mag. You your, your friends might be surprised. Yeah, they'll be like, Wait, what? <laughs> what is this friend? <laughs> <laughs> or, or if you want to go the safer route, you yeah. could go over to That's the podcast true. episode page it and post it there. It context. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it would be funny. It would be a conversation starter. Yeah. Um, so I, I won the NBA championship by myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People would be confused. Um, so go over to relevantmagazine.com. Right there on the front page, there's a link to the current podcast episode. Uh, or you can go, you can find it through the podcast center. There's all the archive stuff. Anyway, go to this week's episode, uh, click on the comments, and post your 140 <laughs> character reply. There. I'm just picturing mine like Ryan Ham wrote the Great Gatsby today. <laughs> FTW. PTL. <laughs> <laughs> See, mine, mine would be like first guy to ride an ostrich. <laughs> <laughs> Like, hey guys, check this out. Is that, an, achieve- <laughs> is that an achievement? Is that a heroic <laughs> achievement? You can take credit for anything. <laughs> like and he twit picked first- a picture of him riding an ostrich. <laughs> the first guy to ride an ostrich. Have you ever actually ridden an ostrich? Well, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, you know the first guy that rode an ostrich. Everybody else was like looking at each other like, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> you think he tweeted it? The yeah. twit pick? <laughs> All right. Probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, okay, so so uh, hit us up, and uh, we will read our favorite replies uh, on the podcast next week. I, I would say call into the podcast hotline, but it's kind of tough to do a 140 character yeah. call, right? If you feel compelled, the number is 407-660-1411, and the podcast hotline extension is 126. Hot. Wow, this is a new invention yeah. since yeah. I was here. We've been playing. Um, We've been using the, not telef- the phone. It's only been two years. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we've uh, Chad pipes them in and we listen to feedback now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So so basically, if if people want to be creative, they could either call in or send us a twit pick. Sure. If you know Photoshop. Yeah. Or, can, we, can we play the song or about Corel, or, or if you can fly me out to an ostrich ranch. <laughs> I'm sure there's one in Virginia. Just yeah, 
Uh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to look online, but if someone would like to do that, what's <laughs> Jesse's just, just, like, I'm too busy to Google. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be honest. That sounds like a lot of effort. <laughs> now, if an ostrich like showed up in my yard with a saddle on it, then I mean, that's another story. But... With a <laughs> I don't know if there are pre saddles. I'm just going to drive to a random ostrich farm and ask to ride one. Don't they spit? Ostriches? I don't know. I think it's camels. That, hey, that would make the feet all that much more heroic. <laughs> I got. I'm terrified of ostriches. Really? Yeah. I'm scared of birds in general. I don't oh. like my weird phobia. Mm. Wait, are you really? You're scared of them? See, I don't like them. No, I'm scared of them. Like I freak out if a bird flies at me. Like if a, like if a. <laughs> well, I would too. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know what it oh, is. Oh, really? You're, you're afraid of when a bird flies right at you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't duck or anything. I just let the beat. Right in the face. No, I mean, and I get like really that uncomfortable. Guy, was it Fabio who got the bird right in the face <laughs> yeah, on the roller coaster? Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so your favorite? You, you clip. mean you're irrationally fear? Right, afraid. irrational. Like to be, some degree, I think we're all would be afraid if a bird. Well, came I just know that us. I feel like birds of all the animals, if they decided to turn on us, well, they brought down an airplane. That's what I mean. So your favorite sports highlight of all time is the Randy Johnson. I got when Randy Johnson, the film. big ticket, would. Uh, uh, w- hit hit the bird yeah. with the baseball. He's yeah. the big unit. Big, big unit. unit. Big ticket. I think that's a- <laughs> Brian, I know something he you could be sports. famous for is you make a horror movie about birds attacking people. Oh, it would be sounds, huge. Sounds I got pooped on Saturday. See, Saturday. I've gotten yeah. pooped on before too. See, See I've been pooped on by birds eight times. Whoa. <laughs> Every major event, right? They are Every major event in my out. life. Every transitional period really? of my life. An omen. Yeah. And I, but except, wait, was there a bird in the hospital when Cohen was born? I was just saying, except, like, it's a good omen. Co- the Cohen transition, no poop. Okay. Had, well, a lot of poop, yeah, but not right. bird poop. <laughs> but yeah, like high school, graduating high school, in college, graduating college. People, this he's citing Maya. when when he was pooped on. Yeah, this isn't like on when by he a bird. saw a poop. This no. is when he saw a bird on my head or face. <laughs> that Unbelievable. is shocking. When I met Maya, when I was about to propose to Maya, not the night of, but like that week. <laughs> I mean, like every transition. Wow. Yeah. It's bizarre. My my first day of kindergarten, my parents forgot to pick me up, <laughs> and I am sitting on the bench out by the road, waiting for my parents, crying because I had the most horrible day ever. Crying, a bird poops on my head. Oh, my parents pull up half an hour late. Their son is crying, terrible day with poop dripping down his head. And that's when I had the idea for relevant. Yeah, medicine. exactly. And then your mom pulled out a plastic sword today. and yelled, "Tell me you love." Yeah, <laughs> it beat me. Yeah, yeah. Have have we like you know possibly decided that birds just have a really sadistic sense of humor? <laughs> like they look for the most downtrodden people and be like, "Let's poop on that guy." But that kid, yeah, <laughs> this is really going to send this kid over the edge. He's going to remember this for the rest of his life. Well, that's true. You do. You well, you remember getting pooped on? Yeah, that's true. I had a pet bird though named Larry Bird. It, she was a girl, but wow. <laughs> Wait, if you have a bird, bird, you have to name Larry? her. Like, no, it's Larry Bird. Oh, you can't. No, just so it's kind of Larry. Larry like Bird I'm gonna get a bulldog name and name but Charles Barkley, but, but I want a girl bulldog. But isn't that boy. redundant? If it's Larry Bird, because then it would be Larry Bird the bird. <laughs> and if you just named it Larry, it'd be Larry the bird. Listen, I had a cat named Little Jerry Seinfeld, and <laughs> every time it wasn't Jerry, it was Little Jerry Seinfeld. Every time. called him Little Jerry Seinfeld. Little Jerry every Seinfeld. Time. And then at the vets, they would say Little Jerry Seinfeld Strang. <laughs> that's amazing I love how they awesome. put your last name on it but, yeah. yeah you should name your pet something funny just because you know people at the veterinarian's office have to say it yeah, that full true. name yeah and so the little Larry Bird like pooped on you a lot 
No, I was going to say that on the flip side, I kind of tortured her and I feel a little bad now about it. But um, so I kind of deserve it when I get pooped on. But, you know, birds are hollow. So it sounds really neat when you flick them. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Wow. Wow. I thought, I thought I you, when you said like myself. you tortured it, like you like played music loud by its cage <laughs> no. or something. Thought Sometimes you I would pull it. out her feathers. We may need to edit <gasps> wow. this out. Wow. Yeah. This is this is inappropriate. This is like waterboarding <laughs> for pets. It is. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I loved her. <laughs> <laughs> you loved her too much. And, um, and then like she never would die or anything. And so we had to get rid of her. <laughs> I mean, I really didn't take care of her very well. This is like a Hannibal Lecter. I'm ashamed. <laughs> No, I I'm ashamed. Her so but- <laughs> she wouldn't die. I pulled out a nice she- bottle of candy and some fava beans. <laughs> it puts so, the anyway, lotion on its skin. We gave her away to this family that had like three or four kids, and she started laying eggs. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, laying no, seriously, un- this is a non-fertile. Film. For non-fertilized eggs, and we asked the vet about it and said, when the when an animal or like a bird is put in a stressful situation, that she might start laying eggs. So then I thought, well, she had it made at my house. If she's so stressed out, she's laying eggs at theirs with all these kids. She had so it. So imagine the torture she was yeah. going through yeah. with those kids. Exactly. Oh, I didn't sad. torture her all the time. Wow. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> oh, Seriously, this is like a horror movie. Like the, bird gets, the bird gets tortured, given away, and it lays eggs. This is always like, this is always like in evil like... trolls get hatched from the <laughs> This is always in the flashback. I feel like this is a flashback of like a Saw movie. Yeah. <laughs> a relevant podcast episode. Hey, question of the week. What animal would you love to abuse? <laughs> oh, gosh. No, I, no seriously. I used to think that like a, like the, a Sloth, because I'd never seen one like next to a person, was like the size of like a bear. You know, like I thought they were really big. Aren't they the size of like an just, anteater? Yeah, but I thought they were like the size of like a black bear, you know? But all I knew is they move really slowly. And I had this thing where if I saw one in an open field, I would want to tackle it. <laughs> because like it could see me coming and being like, claws? oh, here comes, some, here comes some guy running at me real fast. I think he's going to tackle me. But you I'm can't. a sloth and I can't move. Yeah. <laughs> just gonna happen and how and just like the feeling of just like tackling something like a bear but a sloth I just kind of always thought it'd be cool Ooh. wow and I, I wouldn't hurt it I mean I mean it probably it wouldn't feel good but I, you wouldn't have damage but then you would cradle it ever so gently in your arms like Tebow's mom yeah <laughs> you got tackle exactly it would be more of a slapstick maneuver less torture yeah Wow. Okay. I don't know how to wrap up the podcast. Um, you sure you want me back? <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. Uh, many thanks. We're so excited you bring to bring out have the you. best in us, Kara. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. The um, dark side returns to the relevant <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh, wow. We're excited to have Kara back. Many thanks to uh, Brandy Carlisle for talking to us. You can check out her music at brandycarlisle.com. Her new album is awesome. Uh, and on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Josh Loveless. I'm Ryan Ham. I'm Kara Davis. And I'm Jesse Carey. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. For more, go to relevantmagazine.com. Together we'll find something.
Like, oh no, they win. I hate hot stuff.